Have your Bible this morning. Turn again to the book of Philippians, to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Let me read to you once again the portion of Scripture we'll be focusing on again. The Apostle Paul, beginning in verse 7, says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And more than that, I count all things to be lost in view the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Beloved, as you can see, once again, we are coming back to the testimony of Paul, this inward testimony of his salvation. And we have spent several weeks here looking at these verses together because they are so critical to understand, especially in the day and time in which we live. Understanding what it is to be truly converted, to be born again and adopted into the family of God. If you recall last time together, what we began to see is that when you read through those verses, you see that when a person is truly converted that there's a radical change that happens in their life. And it happens on the inside of them, and eventually it will begin to manifest itself on the outside. And what we clearly saw when we compared what Paul is saying here to what we know of Paul over in the book of Acts is that when he was converted and he was born again into the family of God, that his views immediately changed that his views immediately changed. And we understand that from the word there we see repeated several times in verse 7 and 8, that word for counting, that Paul came to a specific calculation, a specific conclusion, conviction, settlement in his heart. And what we saw is that on that morning that he got up to go to Damascus, he was thinking one way, and when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, his thinking was turned 180 degrees. He was repenting. He saw that his understanding about the standard of God for salvation, his understanding about his standing of God in salvation, his understanding about the Savior, about who Jesus was, his understanding about salvation itself, he realized that all those things that he had been thinking for quite some time in his life, he realized they were all wrong. And he realized that he needed to put his faith in Christ. And in seeing that salvation happen to Paul in this way, what we discovered is this, that no one is beyond the saving grace of God because it's a sovereign grace that reached out to Paul on that road to Damascus. But for today, I want us to come back to this portion of Scripture for us to see again in the testimony of Paul another Radical change that happened that happened not only in Paul's life, beloved, it happens in my life, your life, it happens in every person's life 
that is truly born again and comes to know Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. And that is, there is a radical change in a person's values. If you don't see a change, if you don't really have a change to speak of in your life, beloved, I would encourage you, I would plead with you to examine yourself to see if you really be in the faith. Or as we just got through singing, the question you need to ask is, have you really been washed in the blood? Remember, it's a soul-cleansing blood that cleanses us. Quite simply, if there has not been a values change in a person, then that person has not really genuinely experienced true conversion. This is a missing element in our evangelism today, whereby people have gone through the the rituals that we have put in place for salvation, and yet on the other side of those rituals, there's really no change that happens. No change that is of lasting value. It may be a temporary change, but there's nothing lasting, long-standing that happens in their life. Beloved, that's why I would say to you one of the greatest needs in the evangelical church today, one of the greatest needs in our churches around here even today is a recapturing of what it means to be truly converted, to be born again into the family of God. It needs to be recaptured in our preaching. It needs to be recaptured in our practicing, uh, even of membership as a church. And until pastors, until churches are willing to see this and understand the change that needs to happen, we can come up with all the different evangelistic methods that we want. And we're just going to keep repeating the same old cycle where a majority of those who are going through some experience and some rituals are not really being changed. Now as we read through these verses here a moment ago from the Apostle Paul, we see that that was not true with him. This was a man that was truly changed. And when he was converted on that road to Damascus, his values were changed. Clearly when you look back at verse 7 for a moment, you see that what he valued in regard to salvation and what he valued in regard to his standing with God completely changed because all those things he says he saw that were a gain to him, a profit to him, that he saw as an advantage for him in his standing with God, he immediately abandoned all those things and said, now I see those things differently. They're they're no longer of a gain to me. They're now a loss to me. And he, he valued those things Nothing at all. None of those things matter to him anymore. And that is the way it must be. And again, that is a, an amazing transformation that took place in his heart and his life. Because to remember now, Paul was deep into his faith. Deep into what he believed. And he was strong in it. So strong, remember, he's persecuting the church. And yet, he leaves that encounter with Jesus on that road to Damascus and he begins to fellowship with the church. He loves the church and he loves Jesus. Again, I remind you of what we're told over in the, the book of Galatians when you think about what Paul is saying here. 
What Paul is saying is he realized that he could not place value in anything else except in Jesus Christ. Putting his faith, his confidence in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Because he recognized on that road to Damascus that if he was willing to put value in anything else besides the work of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ and his sinless life and his death on the cross for our sins and his resurrection from the dead, his literal physical resurrection from the dead, if he was willing to put anything else in his asset column, Paul realized if he valued anything else, then he was cutting himself off from receiving any of the benefit of what Jesus had done. He was cut off. But he recognized that if he would put his faith in Jesus Christ alone, that all of what Jesus did would be given to him. And beloved, that's true for you, for me, for anyone who is here today. If you're willing to abandon all and put your faith all and alone in Jesus Christ, all that what Jesus did from his death on the cross to his life for you, understand it's all given to you. It's all credited to you. But here's the main thing I want us to see this morning that is true of all people who've been truly converted. The thing that they will value most is what Paul says there in verse 8. Where he says, more than that, I count all things to be in loss. To be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That is the key change that happens in a person's life when they are truly born again. They value Jesus Christ. They value Him personally. They value just knowing Jesus. And that idea there of knowing is not just knowing all the facts about Jesus. It's not that someone could come up here and stand here and take the microphone and begin to recite the, the facts about who Jesus is. That would be a part of it, but it's way more than that. It's more than just knowing about Jesus. It's actually knowing Jesus. That is having a relationship with Jesus, an intimacy with Jesus, a loving, living relationship with Christ. This is what Paul says. That he counted all things to be a loss and that there was nothing in this world that compared. Notice, in view of the surpassing value, there was nothing that compared to the value of knowing Christ Jesus, having a loving, living, real relationship with Christ. In fact, Paul can't even contain himself there in verse 8, where he says, more than that, that's really almost, the, the way he wrote that, it, it, it's almost something that you can't hardly even translate. He literally says there, but indeed, therefore, even furthermore, 
It's like he's just getting caught up with all of his words because he can't contain himself and what he's thinking there that he counts all things to be lost in this view of just having a knowledge, a knowing, a relationship with Christ. This is what happens for the person who comes to know Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. They value Jesus. That is, they value Jesus more than any person in this world, more than any possession in this world, more than any position in this world, more than any power that may be in this world, more than any prosperity that may be in this world. They just value knowing Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul is saying here for us in verse 8. And before we even explore that a little more, is this not what Jesus himself said? Look with me for just a moment. Go back to the Gospel of Luke. Go back to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, beginning in verse 25. It says, now large crowds were going along with him and he turned and said to them, this is Jesus. And he says, if anyone comes to me, all right, and when you see him saying there, if anyone comes to me, you can say, if anyone wants to come putting their faith in me, believing in me, and does not hate his own father, his own mother, his own wife, his own children, his own brothers, his own sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. He's saying you have to be willing to suffer it all. That there's no person you're going to put in value above me. That's what he's saying there. That in view of the surpassing value of knowing me, having a relationship with me, coming to me, he's saying you have to value me more than you do anyone else. Verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You have to value Christ more than your comfort. Look at what he says down in verse 33. So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Now then, all those people in that day didn't have to go home and sell everything they owned and give it away. But what Jesus was telling them is that if you're so desiring, remember it's a large crowd that's gathering around Jesus here and the majority of this crowd are not really true disciples of his and Jesus begins to speak to them in this way. Why? Because he wants them to understand that he's wanting them to understand if you keep coming after me saying you really want to follow me, You have to value me more than anyone else. Any possession you have, any person you have in your life, you have to value me. In fact, just think about this idea of gain and loss that we've been looking at in Philippians 3 and go for just a moment over to the Gospel of Matthew and go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, 
If anyone wishes, if anyone has this desire to come after me, if they come, they want to come follow me, they want to come put their faith in me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Notice what he's saying, this gain and loss. You say, I want to gain life. I want to gain eternal life. I want to have a life with God that will go on forever and ever. And Jesus is saying, well, you have to be willing to lose your life. What in this world is worth holding on to? What, let's just be honest about it. What person in this world, what possession in this world, what prosperity in this world, what position in this world that you may have, what is it that is worth your soul for all eternity? Because guess what? No matter who the person is, no matter what the possession is, no matter what the position is, no matter what pros prosperity you may have, no matter what power and authority you may have, you do understand that one day you will be separated from it. So what, that's what it, what's it worth? You see, and this is what Paul understood when he met Jesus on that road. He came to a settled decision that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the Savior. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Son of God. And he needed to bow his knee to Jesus and put all of his faith and his hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he understood that in doing that, that he made a calculated decision there of understanding that when he did that, it was going to cost him everything. Everything. This is where Jesus, this is what Jesus is saying here in the Gospel of Matthew. Is what he was saying over in the Gospel of Luke. Look again. Let's go back to Philippians 3 for a moment. And see how Paul says it. Paul's really saying much the same thing that we just read in Luke and Matthew about Jesus. Paul says, more than that, I count, that is, I consider all things. Now notice, he has expanded this beyond what he said in verse 7. In verse 7 he says, but whatever things, that is referring back to all those things that he listed back in verse 4, verse 5, and in verse 6. He's saying it wasn't just those things. He says, I count all things to be loss. I count all things to be a liability. And when it comes to having a knowing, loving relationship with Christ Jesus my Lord, he goes on to say, for whom, that is for Jesus my Lord, I have suffered. I have suffered the loss of all things. And beloved, he did. Think about what Paul, think about what it cost Paul. When he came to Christ and he put his faith in Christ on that day, it was costly. It cost him most likely his family. Remember, we read over in the book of Acts that Paul made a reference that he was the son of a Pharisee. He was the son of a Pharisee. Paul understood that when he was putting his faith in Jesus Christ, 
that it was going to be costly to him and his family and his relationship with his family. It obviously cost him his faith. That is, remember, he is, he is up to his eyeballs in Judaism. He's, he is a Pharisee, as he says, as to the law, he was a Pharisee and he was going beyond any of his contemporaries in zeal after his faith and his religion and what it is that he believed and he was zealous about it. And when Paul put his faith in Christ, beloved, they cost him all that. And just think about a lot of the wasted time that he had had in his life pursuing after all these things, moving up the ladder, moving, 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 getting up to the top and he's almost there and he comes to Christ and he goes down to the bottom. It cost him a relationship in his faith. It cost him a relationship in his family. It cost him, no doubt, friends. In fact, let's just... Think about this. Paul says, I suffered. I have suffered the loss of all things. Let's look at a few places here for just a moment. Go back to Acts chapter 9 for a moment. In Acts chapter 9, this is where Paul is converted on the road to Damascus. And remember... After Ananias shows up and lays hands on Paul and Paul regains his sight and he's baptized and he takes some food and he gets strengthened. And for several days in verse 19, he's with the disciples who were at Damascus, which is an amazing radical transformation in his life because these are the very people he was going there to punish and to persecute. Now he's joining them in fellowship and he goes immediately in verse 20 to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God. And again, just the day before that or before this event in his life, if somebody would have stood up in the synagogue of the Jews where Paul was and would have said Jesus is the son of God, he would have drug him out and beat him. And now he's standing up proclaiming it himself. But notice what it says. Verse 22, Paul kept increasing in strength. He was confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. You see, now the tables have turned. Now, all these people who were Paul's friends, that were Paul's allies when he was on the road to Damascus to go persecute the Christians, they now have become his enemies. They now see Paul as the enemy. They now see that they need to put Paul to death. And this was just the beginning for Paul. I mean, Paul was basically a man who quite often was having to stay on the move, stay on the run. Why? Because there were people after his life. He was suffering. When he says, I have suffered the loss of all things, he meant it. He had suffered the loss of all things. He had suffered the loss even of having a, he was a person of a great reputation and standing in his community and now he wasn't. If you will, for just a moment, turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And notice what Paul says here. 
When he says he suffered loss, Verse 11, he says, To this present hour we are both hungry and thirsty. We are poorly clothed. We are roughly treated. We are homeless. And we toil working with our own hands. When we, when we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. Here's a man that was at the top of the society in which he lived. And now he says, they look at us and they say, Paul, you're the scum. You're the dregs. You're the stuff that we clean off the bottom of our shoe." And he is facing people who are reviling him, slandering him, persecuting him. He is hungry, thirsty, poorly clothed, being roughly treated. At times he's homeless. Go over to 2 Corinthians for just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is trying to refute the false teachers, the false apostles. Notice what he says, just beginning and pick it up in verse 23. He says, Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so, in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been in, on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from such external things, there's the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? This is a man that understood what it meant to suffer. When he says over in Philippians 3, I have suffered the loss of all things, beloved, he meant it. He had suffered physically, emotionally, Spiritually, this man had been through it. And remember where he's writing from. He's writing the letter to the church there at Philippi from a prison. Why? For the sake of Christ, because of the gospel. Just because he was out faithfully preaching Jesus, it landed him in jail. Paul understood so when you read back there in Philippians 3, and he says, I have counted all things as loss in view of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And he says, I count them. This is how he thought about all those things. But rubbish. You see, this is how he valued things. This is how Paul valued his comfort. 
This is how he valued everything else in his life. All those things that we just read about in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. He valued all those things, he says, as rubbish. Now that is a, a word in the Greek where Paul is speaking about as politely as you can speak to get the point across. That word there for rubbish, you could use it as garbage. You could even use it as human excrement, as dung, as manure. That's what he's saying. I now valued all those things as just manure in my life. See, those things really didn't have that kind of value to him. Not in comparison. Not in comparison. He's not saying a person shouldn't have value in family and relationships and value and, and, and clothing and those things. But he's saying in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, those things are of no value to me. They are garbage to me. I just want to know Christ. I just want to know Jesus. Beloved, we think back, there's two examples in Scripture. There's one that is a negative example that illustrates this, and there's one that's a positive example. The negative example is found in the Gospels. Remember when there was a young man who was also a rich, young ruler that came to Jesus. And he came to Jesus asking Jesus about eternal life, that he wanted eternal life. And when Jesus began to lay out the terms for him, basically saying, if you want to have eternal life, you're going to have to come to me. And in coming to me, you're going to have to be willing, as he says, to give up everything and value me above everything else. That means all your possessions as a rich young man. And it says that man walked away sad. Why? Because he valued his possession and his position and his power more than he valued having a knowing, living, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And he walked away still lost, dead in his sins, in need of salvation. But there's a positive example. And the positive example is actually from the Old Testament. But the record of it is given to us in the New Testament. I want you to turn over there for just a moment. Go to the book of Hebrews, to Hebrews chapter 11. And the man who is the positive example for us is a man by the name of Moses. Moses. Hebrews chapter 11, the, the faith chapter. Let's pick it up beginning in verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering... Now that word there in verse 26, considering, is actually the same word that Paul uses back in Philippians 3 where he says, I count. So he's saying, here's what Moses counted. He considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. 
for he was looking to the reward. Here it is, Moses had a choice in front of him. The choice is, stay with Pharaoh, choose the riches of Egypt. And remember, Egypt at that time was the greatest, biggest, strongest, richest nation on the face of the earth. And Moses could have been the man, could have, could have been next in line. And Moses saw that, but he saw the people of God. And Moses looked at that and he says, I count the, the reproach of being with God and with Christ and with his people as of greater value than all that this world would offer him. But that is the heart of the believer. And again, remember something as we go back for a moment to close our time together in Philippians 3. That this is what happened to Paul at his conversion, but this is what's continued in his life. Because remember, the first part of verse 8 and the last part of verse 8 are in the present tense. Yes, he says, I have in the past suffered the loss, that is the past with lingering effects, the loss of all things. But notice he says, and I'm counting, that is I'm still counting even today, presently, those things that I have lost, I count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. I, I want Christ. I want this relationship with Christ. If having this relationship with Christ even now, remember this is some 30 years after his conversion in Acts chapter 9 on that road to Damascus. He's saying, I still treasure Jesus Christ more than anything else in this world. I just want to have Christ. I want to be found in Christ. That's what I want. You see, that's why Paul could say over in chapter 1 of Philippians in verse 21, for me to live is... Christ. That's my life. And remember, we said that is the motto for the Christian. The Christian says, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. Why? Because I gain Christ. I gain the very presence of Christ. I get to now live with Christ in the sight of Christ. That's why I remember Paul says back in chapter 1, he was so torn in his heart. Remember, he's, on, he's, on, he's possibly on death row, and he's waiting for the verdict to come down about his trial and, and whether or not they're going to release him or if they consider him guilty, they're going to put him to death. And Paul is saying, look, I'm torn in my heart because there is a part of me that almost hopes that they come back with a guilty verdict because if they do, I know that immediately when I die, I immediately go in the presence of Christ. And I get to be with him forever. But he also knew that it was beneficial and profitable for him to remain. So his heart was wanting to stay here and to be with God's people and to love and to worship and to serve them and to care for them. Brother, what I want you to see is when you go back, you see the value of, of, for Paul changed, that he placed value on knowing Jesus Christ above all else. That's why he says it's for the sake of Christ that I may gain Christ, that I may be found in Christ. I'd suffered all things for Christ. So let me ask you this morning, my friends, can you testify as Paul did? 
Can you testify as Paul did? Has your life been changed by Christ? Have your views about Jesus, about yourself, about sin, about God's standard, about salvation, have those things come into conformity with God's Word? Have your values changed? Is it, if you sit here and hear this and think about this, is it bothersome to you? Because in a way you're saying, look, I, I just really don't value knowing Christ. I value getting to go to heaven. I value that. But remember what Jesus said. In order to gain that, you've got to be willing to lose your life. That is, you have to be willing to put, put your, your faith and your value in Christ above all else. And the good news is, beloved, that if you're being convicted about that this morning, that if you will abandon all as Paul did and count everything else now as rubbish and just say, Jesus, I want you. I want you above anyone else, anything else in this world. I put my faith in you. I know who you are and I believe in you and I trust you and I surrender to you. Beloved, if you would genuinely do that and put your faith in Christ, God will cleanse you. You will be washed in the blood of Christ. A soul-cleansing blood. But maybe for some of you here this morning, you say, yes, it, it's true of my life. I, I do long to know Christ. I, I love Christ. But I find maybe right now in my life, I'm, I've, I've drifted. I'm not as in love with Christ and as pursuing after Christ as I once was. Well, beloved, if that's true of you, you need to confess that before the God. You need to repent of that before the Lord. You need to ask God to give you a heart that will treasure Him above all things. Help Him to show you the things that you need to take out of your life and the things you need to put in your life of, of getting in God's Word and spending God time with God in prayer and, and getting to know Him. And, and beloved, if you're really just wanting to get to know Jesus Christ even more, one of the first places I'd tell you to look is start reading through the four Gospels. Just read them over and over again. Just get to know Jesus. Now you can read anywhere in the Bible and you're going to get to know Jesus, but it really hones in on the person of Jesus in the gospel. Just read the gospels and love Jesus and see who he is and what he's about and, and put your faith in him and just grow in him. Just love Christ. If there's anything I want us all to walk out of here today is saying, I just want to know Christ. Not just know about Him. I want to know Him. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.